Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Fourth of July to you. I know that not all of you are in the United States, but for those of you who are, it's Independence Day here in the States, and uh, I wish you a happy Fourth. God bless you guys. Hope it's a good day for you. Hope you celebrate freedom, recognize the price of freedom, and uh, enjoy some good time with family and neighbors today. Uh, I love all you guys. Thank you for making uh, the Word of God a priority, even on a day that is otherwise uh, yours to uh, to rest and celebrate. So God bless you. In some ways, it may be appropriate that we're in Isaiah chapter 22 today, because here in this oracle, this you know section of Isaiah where it's just you know oracle after oracle against the nations, we find an oracle against Jerusalem, uh, Isaiah's own nation, uh, Isaiah's own city, and I guess some people would say, well, that, that's not very patriotic, you, you know, but understand as believers. Uh, we we love the nation where God has planted us, wherever you are. You know, God has placed you there and you should pray for the peace and work for the prosperity of the nation where God has planted you. But at the very same time, um, that does not mean that we, you know, pledge highest allegiance to any nation. You know, our highest allegiance is to God. And in this particular instance, Isaiah must speak harshly against his own nation. This is a word from God. And uh, again, it, it's not unpatriotic. It's ultimately patriotic to call your nation to be its best self by turning to the Lord, you know? So in all the ways in which our nation fulfills its destiny by protecting, you know, the, the, the vulnerable and standing for righteousness and spreading freedom, you know, and fighting for the weak. I mean, in all the ways in which our nation represents biblical principles, we should celebrate and affirm. But in all the places where our nation has turned its back on God, we need to be the first one standing there saying, you're going the wrong way you know and so in chapter 22 Isaiah is seems like the lone voice in the nation saying you're going the wrong way you know what, what are you thinking you know speaking to his country people uh, so, so let's go uh, chapter 22 again a very very harsh judgment against Judah and Jerusalem but the problem is this this disconnect you'll notice you know Isaiah's first words is you know, what is happening why is everyone running to the rooftops? The whole city is in uproar. You know, why do I see this reveling? You know, so the people are actually celebrating. At the same time, bodies are lying everywhere, killed, not in battle, but by famine and disease. What's happening? All right. Uh, most, you know, careful Bible readers believe that here Isaiah is referring to the 701 siege of Jerusalem uh, by Assyria. We, we read all about that, you know, through Kings. Um, uh, Assyria had laid siege to Jerusalem for an extended period of time, and it was devastating. However, in the end, in the end of that, Jerusalem was saved, and Assyria, of course, uh, had to leave. However, Assyria exacted a tremendous amount of wealth, you know, that was plundered or otherwise taken from Jerusalem. And so, in a sense, you could say Jerusalem had victory, but at the same time, it, it was it, an actual loss. You know, it was devastating loss. And so there's this disconnect here where the people are celebrating like victors when, when, when what they've experienced is an actual loss. And so this is where Isaiah is like, you know, what is happening? You know, all your leaders have fled. They surrender without resistance. So people tried to slip away. They were captured too. That's why I say, just leave me alone to weep. 
don't try to comfort me. Let me cry for my people as I watch them being destroyed, you know. Again, the prophet is the only one who sees things as they are. And what he sees is there is not a lot to celebrate today. You know, there is not much that, that we can rejoice in. You know, you're calling this a victory, but but we are not victorious. And, and look at the bodies, look at the dead bodies, and look at the path we're on, you know. I'm saying uh, you could preach a similar message to the United States right now. I mean, you know, and I love this country. I love this country with all my heart, and I pledge allegiance, you know, to this country at the same time. Man, I'm not so blindly allegiant that I'm not going to say, you know, this country, you know, uh, it, it's a weird time to celebrate because there's a whole lot of things over which we should hang our head in shame, you know. Um, what a day of crushing defeat, the prophet says. What a day of confusion and terror, and on and on he goes. Again, it's, it's the same events. He looks around and sees the same events. And, and the world is, you know, this nation is celebrating, but, but he's like, this just breaks my heart, you know. Like we just come out of Pride Month, you know, which was apparently a month that a lot, a lot of people in our culture celebrated. But, but are, are you know, some of us are just looking, going, what, you know, what is happening, you know, what is happening, and and where does this lead, and what does all of this mean, uh, you, you know, and and I don't say that with uh, with any kind of hard heart toward people. You know, I, I love my neighbors, Christian and non-Christian. I really, really do. But at the same time, um, my goodness, you know, the, the things that our nation now celebrates, and again, the prophet just says, leave me alone. Let me just cry for my people. You know, I'm, I'm watching watching them be destroyed, you know, from, from the inside out, literally. He talks about the day of crushing defeat. He says, you know, Judah's defenses have been stripped away. Uh, notice right there in... Uh, let me find it. Verse 8, you run to the armory for your weapons is what it says in the Living Translation. That's not a good translation there. What the Hebrew literally says is you look to the house of forest, the house of the forest. Remember in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 7, that, that uh, uh, palace of the forest is described, the way it was constructed, and it seems to be a place where weapons were kept. And so the idea here is that the people are looking to the armory and looking to their weapons. You know, The point of that is they're looking to everything except God. You know, they, they look to everything, to weapons. They look to strategies. They look to the stone walls. They look to the, you know, the cisterns they can store water, but they do not look to the only God who can protect them. You never ask for help from the one who did all this, the one with the power. You never considered the one who planned this long ago, you know. At that time, the Lord of Heaven's armies called you to weep and mourn. You know, the, the idea is you had time to repent. Now, don't miss this. And, and these oracles against the nations, this is pronounced in advance. Not that we can gloat, you know, with glee over the destruction of the wicked, but rather so that the wicked have an opportunity to repent and avoid this terrible fate. And this is what we're talking about here with Jerusalem. You, you could have missed all this, but instead, you know, when your sin was pointed out, you danced and played, you slaughtered cattle and you killed sheep, you feasted on meat and you drank wine and you said, let's feast and drink, we'll die tomorrow. You know, again, that is always the most devastating kind of rebellion when you just tell yourself, we've got time, you know, nothing bad going to happen today. You know, let's just have a good time. You know, YOLO, you only live once. Let's just today, let's eat and let's drink. Tomorrow we die. But, you know, tomorrow never comes, you know, and the Lord of Heaven's army says till the day you die, you'll never be forgiven this sin. What sin? You know, 
Like, oh, oh no, the unforgivable sin. And right now, some of you are going, oh my goodness, I've probably committed the unforgivable sin. I doubt it. If you're worried about it, I'm pretty sure you haven't. Because the only unforgivable sin is this one. And that is the sin of non-repentance. That's the only unforgivable sin, the one that you won't ask for forgiveness for. The, the one that you deny or the one that you somehow uh, otherwise think that you're going to avoid. See, this is the whole disconnect here. You know, they don't see any sin. They don't see any need for repentance. They don't see any need to slow down. And the prophet says, all I want to do is just cry for my people, cry for my nation. They, they don't seem to see that they're being destroyed. Uh, oh, gosh, that uh, a harsh word, uh, sad word uh, for a man who loves his country. Um, what follows there is this contrast between two literal men, uh, Shebna and Eliakim. Uh, they were both chancellors, and we read about him in the book of Kings. We read about these two guys. Um, notice that Shebna is condemned for his self-aggrandizement. We're talking about uh, here the proper use of, of power, you know, p political power, public power, you know, versus responsible use of the power. And, and here Shebna is condemned. You know, who do you think you are? And what do you think you're doing here? You know, oh my goodness, wouldn't you like to just open the door and scream that in, you know, in Congress? Who do you think you are? And what do you think you're doing here? You know, because obviously Shebna was the kind of politician who was only self-aggrandizing, only, you know, using his position to increase his profile, his power, his prestige. He's building this monument, this uh, great tomb for himself. And the Lord says, you fool, you know, it's just like that parable of the rich fool that Jesus tells where the man's building barns and bigger barns and that night, the Lord says, you fool, you know, I will hurl you away, mighty man. <laughs> I love that. I will hurl you away, mighty man, and toss you into a distant, barren land. You'll die. You know, you're a disgrace to your master. Yeah. On the other hand, Eliakim is apparently to replace him, dressed in royal robes and uh, worthy of his title and authority. Notice what it says. Uh, I'm going to drive him like a nail in the wall. You know, in other words, you know, Eliakim will have power and he'll have a, a kind of permanence. But then notice what comes next. But the Lord of Heaven's army says, time will come and I'll pull out the nail that seems so firm. So again, when it comes to public power, when it comes to politicians, when it comes to nations for that matter, uh, there is no permanence. And uh, what looks like a nail driven in the wall, you know, is a nail that the Lord can just as easily pull out and he does it. He causes nations to rise and fall. He certainly blessed uh, this great nation, the United States. I pray that he will continue to do so. But understand, God only blesses faithfulness. He can't bless unfaithfulness. And so long as our country persists in this pattern, this path of unfaithfulness and ungodliness, it's hard to imagine that God's blessings can continue to flow from sea to shining sea. I don't mean to ruin your 4th of July. I'm just saying God blesses faithfulness. You know, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the scripture says. But uh, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say our God is the Lord when we continue to celebrate in the face of our sin and refuse to repent. Uh, so uh, um, make it your prayer. God bless America. God bless America with a spirit of repentance and humility. And God, please turn us back uh, to your face. Uh, I love you guys so much. Again, I uh, thank God for our country. Thank God for this great 4th of July, for the freedom to preach, you know, on the internet. Uh, all these things are gifts uh, that others paid 
the ultimate price for her. So I, I respect that today and I hope you do too. I love you guys so much. I will see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. Pick up with me in chapter 23, verses 1 to 17. Isaiah chapter 23, verses 1 to 17. That's the whole chapter. So you don't have a whole lot of reading for tomorrow, but I'll see you then. All right, read it and, and, I'll, and I'll see you in the morning. I love you guys so much. Have a great, great, great day.